each time you make a choice, even if it's something tiny, if you're doing it on purpose, intentionally, conscientiously, you are reinforcing your sense of self-determination. You're saying, this was no accident. I chose this. This is a life of my design, and this is how I decide to spend my time on earth. If there's anything I've learned from my time caring for the seriously ill, it's to appreciate the extraordinary gift of this thing we call life. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathy Zhang, palliative care physician, author, and speaker. And my goal is to bring the clarity, purpose, and meaning often found at the end of life to help you live your best and most fulfilling existence now. I truly believe everyone on this planet has a purpose, and it's my mission to help you filter out the noise and discover yours. Let's get started. Hello and welcome. Welcome back to another week here on The Purpose Filter. You've been waiting an entire week for part two of the series on control, so thank you for your patience. Actually, it's funny. I just came back from a conference, and one of the speakers was an attorney who works with contract negotiations for physicians and other professionals. And she shared a slide about women who always say, I'm sorry for everything, how it's a bad habit of ours that's been perpetuated throughout society and how we can get the same message across in a way that's less apologetic and more empowering. So instead of saying, I'm sorry for being late, thank you for your patience instead. Uh, I've mostly phased out saying I'm sorry when I haven't actually done anything wrong. It's something that someone had introduced to me when I was younger, but I know a lot of us still do it unconsciously, even though we've heard of it. So it's always a good reminder. But without further ado, let's jump right in. Last week, we spoke about control. And on this episode, we can delve a little bit deeper and also discuss some factors that are within our realm of influence. And like I said before, as a recovering control freak, I'm allowed to say this because I I know intimately what goes on in your head if you feel the same things that I do. Realizing the difference between what you can and cannot control is always the first step. That was the foundation of last week's episode. Self-awareness, self-awareness, self-awareness. And I know you're thinking, you mean there could be a day when I could just not care about how other people live their lives? Yes, 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 you can. Si se puede. And notice, look, I'm not asking you to give up control entirely. You will have to give up some, which is mostly your desire to control things outside of you, your outside environment, other people, etc. Think of it this way. If you keep tightening your grip on a garden hose and you turn the garden hose on, you're just going to disrupt the flow of water more and more. We want flow in our lives, whether it's our career, relationships, health, business, spirituality. People want to feel in control. It's human nature. It's biologic. And we see this a lot in the hospital, certainly in my patient population, We often get called to see people and the team will ask us, hey, can you talk to this patient? They just keep refusing treatments, blood draws. They don't want to eat and they don't even want to talk to us. 
and we can't seem to get through to them. These patients often get labeled as quote unquote non-compliant or difficult. And more often than not, if they're not confused, if they're not demented, they have all their faculties with them, they've just shifted their locus of control. They're sick, they're in the hospital, being poked, prodded, taken for tests, living on everyone else's schedule except their own, and they're scared of the future. They're scared of what's going to happen with their illness. And to be honest, they're scared whether they're going to make it. And so they start to say no because that's one of the few things that they do have agency over. And we, coming in as the palliative care team, have to explain to the primary doctors in the hospital caring for these patients that this is normal behavior and that these patients are doing what anyone else would be doing if they were in their shoes. When we actually sit down and talk to the patient and we validate their experience, we give them the support that they need and work through the emotions and the underlying thoughts that lead to them feeling helpless and out of control, they invariably feel less of a need to refuse things. Then the teams call us like, magic workers. And, you know, they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. And it's like, you know, it's not magic. It's human psychology. It's talking to people. It's having enough time and caring enough to sit there and be like, you know what, let's talk this out. Let's figure this out. So I suppose that's a long-winded way of saying that control can be shifted during times of stress or duress or during times when you feel like you are helpless and have absolutely no control. And what's great is that if you have the opportunity to redirect your desire for control towards something that you have absolute and massive influence over, which is yourself, now if that isn't a control freak's dream, then what is, right? I'm literally handing it to you on a platter. (laughs) So what can you control? Well, we can't talk about control without discussing choice. If it's a voluntary behavior, even if we're not explicitly aware of the cue or the stimulus, then it involves choice. Choice is the vehicle by which we exert control. And we make choices all the time. Where to focus our gaze, what we're wearing that day, when we eat. It's also the same reason why we feel awful when we feel as though we have no choice, being told you have to do an assignment or that there's nothing else that can be done, or even something as simple as the two-letted word, no. No. What do you mean no? There's got to be a way. There has to be a solution. Don't tell me no. That's the automatic response that happens when people tell us that we have no choice, right? So even the perception of control has been shown in actual animal and human studies to inhibit autonomic arousal and stress hormone release. So here are some things that can fall within the realm of control. And these are not absolute, and surely this is not an exhaustive list, but personally, I like to think about it in three categories. Number one, your focus where focus goes, energy flows. And I love this quote and I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. It's Tony Robbins says it a lot. You've heard of the attention economy, which posits that human attention is a 
precious commodity. And it makes sense. So many things are vying for our time, our energy, work, family, social media, advertisements, entertainment, you name it. And if we're not intentional, if we're not careful, it's all too easy to let little things distract us from important matters. And you've, you've witnessed this and you live this firsthand, right? You wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to be so productive. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get that thing accomplished. And I'm going to feel so great when it's all done. I'm ready. And then what happens? Someone texts you with a question. You can get back to them. You get an email with a request that feels urgent, even though it's probably not urgent. And it could probably wait until after you're done doing the important thing. Or you're like, oh my God, I forgot to pay that bill. Or, oh, we should book flights for the family vacation. And then your friend's like, hey, I'm in town. Let's have lunch. And you're like, oh my God, let's have lunch. Of course, I haven't seen you in so long. And then before you know it, it's the end of the day and you didn't get the thing that you really wanted done. And now you feel guilty and you hate yourself and you feel like a failure. And you're like, I wasted this entire day. Sound familiar? I know it does because I I live this just as much as you do. Our lives are a function of what we do or don't focus on. It's the same with emotions or when you face a challenge and you start feeling stressed and overwhelmed. If you keep focusing on those negative feelings and emotions, those will just grow even more prominent. If you focus on all the negative news stories, you'll believe that everything is awful and humanity is at its worst and will never recover. And, you know, we need to colonize Mars pronto, right? Focus on what helps you feel stronger, on what helps you feel more empowered, more inspired, more connected, more joyful. Remember, choice is what makes us feel like we're in control. And usually we always forget that there is another choice. We think this is the way, or this is what it is, and there's nothing to be done. Will you choose to focus on the problem when you're presented with a problem, or will you choose to focus on the solution? I want you to keep that in mind. So number two is your body. Now we can call it your state of being, physiology, whatever you want. We can exert control over how we move. You're probably familiar with Amy Cuddy's research on power poses. She had a TED talk on it. I believe it's now called postural feedback because there was some backlash, which you know is another story for another time and place. People feel more powerful when standing in expansive positions like Wonder Woman, hands on your hips, heads held high, shoulders back versus a low, low power pose, hunched, leaning in, looking down. There's a reason why if you ask a room full of people what a depressed person looks like, they all can visualize the same pose. And then if you ask them to replicate it, they all do the same thing. There's intimate relationships between our bodies and our state of being. And we can control things like our breathing, like using the physiologic side to calm down the autonomic nervous system. Deep inhale in. And a second inhale in through the nose to inflate the alveoli and then exhale through the mouth. 
And you can look this up. You can Google it. There's research from neuroscientists, neurobiologists about the exact mechanisms that help calm the autonomic nervous system down when we're in a high cortisol state. And I've done this myself. It works so well. I remember being really, really stressed about a work project and I was kind of getting bogged down in my own head and I did it. I did two of it and I was, I could immediately feel my own body just like relaxing a little bit. And actually it's really interesting. We've had patients do it in the hospital, our palliative care patients while they're on telemetry, while they're on cardiac monitoring and they'll have high blood pressure, their heart rate is elevated. And as soon as they get some of these breathing techniques in their blood pressure and their heart rate will normalize. It's actually really, really impressive. And it's really helpful for the patients too, because that's a form of biofeedback for them. It's a form of reinforcement. They're like, oh, this works. I feel better, but there's objective evidence on the screen as well. And you know, this is all based in science. It's also why we overeat when we're stressed, because the body sends a signal to calm down the autonomic nervous system when our bellies are full. And, you know, it's the same thing with athletes. What do they do to hype themselves up before an event? They jump around, they pump their fists in the air, they beat their chests, all this type of thing. And one of the things that was really helpful when I was getting therapy was this mind-body awareness, especially when negative emotions come up. My therapist would ask me, okay, when you feel anxious, Where do you feel it in your body? And that was something that was really kind of new to me because I always felt certain repetitive kind of feelings in my body. I would feel kind of in my sternum, in my chest, this kind of muffled feeling. And I would feel also like I, my heart was racing and all this stuff. And I didn't know it then, but it's a way to connect what's happening with our brains and also what's happening in our bodies and vice versa. If you notice it in your body and you're not fully aware of what's happening in your brain, then you could be like, oh, this is a pattern for me. This is what happens when I'm scared, when I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, when I'm sad. And then when you can put those two together, you bridge the gap between mind and body. And that has been so eye-opening for me personally to be able to manage my emotions better. And ultimately, this is what it's all about. It's managing our own state of being and feeling less overwhelmed, less stressed, more in control, more centered, more grounded, that sort of thing. And moving on, number three is your response. Okay. Viktor Frankl has this quote that everyone loves, right? Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And so our response is very linked with our thoughts. It's linked to the words that we say to ourselves because without the right thought, you can't really change your response. You have to be self-aware enough to say, hey, I'm feeling a certain type of way. I notice in my body tingles or 
something is coming up and my heart is racing and I'm sweaty or my palms feel clammy. And then you have to think, okay, what's the cause of this? Let me dig deeper. What's going on in my head that's bringing this all about? What's going on in my environment that's bringing this on? Is there a certain stimulus that's causing this, whether it's at my level of awareness or lower down that is maybe triggering this? There also has to be recognition that no matter what thought comes to you first, if it's not helpful, that there's the possibility for an alternative thought. Remember, choice, choice. If you feel as though you have a choice, that desire for control can begin to feel fulfilled. If someone starts an argument with you and your immediate response is to jump in, get angry, argue right back and be like, you have no idea what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. Take a moment to step back and ask yourself, do I have another choice here? Maybe you could speak calmly. Maybe you could walk away. Maybe you could not even engage. But there is that moment, which this takes time, this takes work for us to not just jump right into whatever comes up first, to be intentional with how we respond to stressful situations, how we respond to a problem, how we respond to challenges, things like that. And this isn't easy. It seems simple, but just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. So if you have trouble with this, if you're trying and you need help, please, by all means, it is May, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Please go find yourself a therapist, find yourself a coach, Talk to people who have been there, who have the training to help you do what you need to do in order to feel better, in order to lead the life that you want to lead rather than the life you are leading. And that's why purposeful, intentional living is so key. And what I love to champion on here and talk about Each time you make a choice, even if it's something tiny, if you're doing it with awareness, if you're doing it conscientiously, intentionally, you are reinforcing the perception of control and your own sense of self-determination. You're saying, this was no accident. I chose this. This is a life of my design. This is how I choose to spend my time on earth. And no, you're not going to be perfect. Unwanted thoughts and emotions are going to cause you to engage in unwanted behaviors. And that's going to happen because you're human. We're all human. But if you can believe that you have agency, if you can feel that there is another choice, that there's an alternative, that there are two sides and probably more than two sides to every story, every situation, every challenge that comes up, then that's when you start to feel a little bit more like you're in the driver's seat. That's when you start to feel like, okay, I've got this. Maybe I can handle this. Maybe I can write my own book. Maybe I can weave my own tapestry 
of this thing that I call life, that I get privileged enough to wake up to, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, and I'm going to find a way to make it happen. But you have to find ways to be okay with letting go of what you cannot control. And it's going to be difficult. I'm not going to lie. It is going to be hard to do this, but it is so important and it is so worth it. Once you're just like, you know what? I'm doing what I can to influence this, but I'm going to be okay no matter what happens with all of these external circumstances. I'm going to be okay because I'm working on myself. I'm working on how I respond to situations. I'm working on my own choices, my own self-efficacy, self-determination, my own confidence, my own self-worth. I am a project worth working on because I'm the only person who's going to live my life. And I've said this before and I'll keep saying it again. Self-care is the best way that we can care for others. You want someone to feel cared for. You want them to feel loved. You just want the best for them. You have to manage yourself first. Take care of yourself. Go to bed at a reasonable time. Eat healthy food. Get movement in. Drink water. All of these things that we need, those are the bare minimum, the basics. And then you add whatever else you need to feel as though your cup is full. And only when your cup is full, you water the plants around you when it's overflowing, when you have so much to give. And then when you have so much to give, it feels really good to be able to help people, to just be like, hey, let me do this for you. Let me connect you with this person. Let me change your life, even if it's in a small way. Let me impact you. Let me connect and show you that I'm here to help because I have done the work myself. And that's, I'm lucky enough to feel at that point in my life where, you know, honestly, a year ago, I was not there. A year and a half ago, man, I was just down in the dumps. I was uh, having panic attacks and all these other things. And I'll share a little bit more about that in upcoming episodes. So, Those are the three things, your focus, your body, your response. And I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope that you're able to just take a step back and take stock of what's happening and to recognize when you're feeling a certain type of way about a situation and what else you can do about it. So as always, have a wonderful time. I will see you next week. And take care of yourselves and take care of each other. See ya. That's it for this episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. Hey, if this episode helped you in any way, shape, or form, little or small, please send it to a friend. We all think that we are struggling by ourselves, that no one knows what it's like to be us and to feel the things that we feel when that is the furthest thing from the truth. So check in on someone that you love, someone that you care about, and 
share, share your vulnerability, share your issues, because it just makes everything a little bit easier when we feel like we're more connected to the people around us. Take care.